Louise McSherry on 2FM. Have you found yourself tired and struggling to focus on the task in hand recently? Brain fog is something many of us have experienced, but few of us want to admit to. It's not a condition in itself, but it is, however, a troubling experience, which Dr. Sabina Brennan, neuroscientist and health psychologist, throws light on in her new book, Beating Brain Fog, Your 30-Day Plan to Think Faster, Sharper, Better. And Dr. Brennan joins us on the line now. Dr. Brennan, your day-to-day work focuses on brain health, treating people with dementia, migraines, MS and loads of other conditions. What was it that made you focus on brain fog? It's um, something I've experienced myself as a consequence of hormonal changes and also an underlying um, autoimmune disease. So I just have personal experience that it can be really quite debilitating. Mm -hmm. um, But, you know, you can go to the doctor and they'll look for maybe what the underlying cause is and kind of won't give you any tips or, you know, write it off as being nothing really um, of consequence. So I just sort of felt um, there was a need to write the book. There was a need to explain that it's um, it's something that's very real. I think, as you just said there, it's not a disease, it's not a disorder, it's not a diagnosis in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, what it really is, is a, it's, it's a warning sign. It's a signal that something is amiss. Um, and the book actually tries to help you identify um, what m- might be at the root cause of your, your brain fog. So basically, um, you know, it can be the consequence of, you know, poor sleep, disrupted sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, chronic stress, you know, even a dietary deficiency. And I think that's why a lot of people are experiencing what I'm kind of calling pandemic brain at the moment. Sure. Not, not, you know, brain fog is associated with long COVID and I can kind of come back to that. But mm-hmm. an awful lot of us are feeling just not ourselves, not as sharp as we used to be and kind of really struggling a bit. That's something that I was going um, to ask you, actually, because a lot of people are feeling a lot of stress at the moment. And they might if they're working from home or and also, you know, minding kids or are under time pressure, we will all get a little bit frazzled and get brain fatigue, say, but that isn't the same as brain fog is what you're well, saying. Well, it, it, it is if it's prolonged. No, no, it is. So I think a lot of people are suffering from, a, a, you know, a prolonged brain fog um, at the moment. And I do think that's a consequence of chronic stress and um, poorly managed chronic stress um, actually impacts on your ability to learn, to remember and to concentrate. Um, Also, one thing that's probably leading to the brain fog that people are experiencing during the pandemic is the fact that pre-pandemic, about 40% of all our behaviours are habitual. Mm -hmm. When we have habitual behaviors, they're less resource heavy. They're less of a strain on your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have you, you, your thinking brain. Your brain is constantly scanning for patterns that it can automate and make into unconscious habits mm-hmm. because that's an efficient way to use its available resources. Because uh, thinking, the thinking part of the brain takes an awful lot more energy than the unthinking part that handles habits. And so suddenly last March, you know, yeah. we were all sent home, you know, find new ways to work, work from home and all our habits were disrupted yeah so that means that all of our behaviors are effortful and it becomes a resource issue because your brain only weighs two percent of your body but it consumes about 20 percent of the nutrients and oxygen circulating at any one time so it has to be really careful with its resources and it's got limited resources so really i think it's kind of that's a big issue Mm -hmm. and the the solution lies actually in the problem there that actually if you're continuing to work from home re re reinstigate all your old habits get up at the same time as you used to have your shower get dressed and I'm suggesting people take 
take a fake commute, you know, go for a walk around the block. And it's a good way to bookend your day. You know, yes. go for a little walk before you start work. Go for a little walk when you finish. I'm even suggesting things like change your clothes, have a shower. Psychological break between. Just a yeah. break. Yeah, a break because your brain will your brain will see that as a pattern. Sure. You know, and so at first it always takes a little while to, to break a habit or introduce a new habit because you're using the thinking part of your brain. But once your brain scans that as a pattern, mm-hmm. it hands over responsibility to a part of your brain called the basal ganglia. And then by definition, it becomes a habit habit and it becomes effortless. Yeah. So that is one, you know, so, so those lifestyle factors, a lot of us, um, you know, if, 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 if you're chronically described deprived of, of, of good quality sleep, you'll have that. All of us will have experienced these things like slow thinking, forgetfulness, et cetera on occasion sure. but for example if you're jet lagged yeah <laughs> yes that's a of real course. good example yeah. of that brain fog feeling but that can be that can be resolved once you catch back up and get back in sync with your cycle similarly if you've had a few nights of broken sleep or you've been working long hours on a particular project you know that will eventually resolve itself when you resolve the underlying issue Mm -hmm. so where it differs you know when it really becomes problematic is when it's when the symptoms are persistent when they occur regularly and when they interfere with your ability to um your quality of life your ability to carry out your job and even your relationships you know a lot of people who have severe brain fog feel like they've lost themselves and and their loved ones will sort of say she just turned into a different person but that's because our patterns of behavior have changed, of course. you know, in that, you know, if you're with brain fog, it can be really hard to make decisions. And I'm not talking big decisions. I mean, it can be hard to make the big decisions, but even just opening the wardrobe and going, what am I going to wear today? Yeah. You know, or what, what will I cook for dinner? It's that real exhaustion that just kind of permeates everything. So it really can be debilitating. But I, I did want to ask you about, we, there are numerous studies into how female conditions and symptoms and pain are often underestimated and under-researched. You say that, that the brain fog seems to affect women more than men. Is that a contributing factor as to why there's so little focus on this particular condition? He's smiling. I did. Surely not. I did sort of refer to that in the epilogue of the book. I would say that certainly pre-pandemic and when I was writing this book and this book, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's so relevant. You know, yes, it is. But but it, it, you know, it's been commissioned long before we had long before COVID-19 existed because it is an issue. And actually that if there is a positive out of that, it's that actually there has been a spotlight shone on brain fog now Mm -hmm. because, um, because so many people are experiencing it. So certainly pre-pandemic, I would have said much more women affected by brain yeah. fog. Um, now with the pandemic, we're seeing more men. You know, men are men are kind of say, you know, suffering the same way, you know. Yeah, in that's of, interesting. Of, of, of the pandemic. I do think men probably experienced it in the past, but they may have called it burnout or you sure, know, overstressed, or you know, they may have kind of given it mm-hmm. a different name. And I should say to listeners that um I use brain fog as an, an umbrella term to kind of cover all those what we would say, you know, more scientifically cognitive dysfunction, but mm-hmm. just brain fog is that umbrella term. But people may have heard of fibro fog. So that's what people with fibromyalgia call it. Okay. Uh, chemo brain. So if you've had chemotherapy, uh, chemo brain and some cancers are associated with brain fog. Um, uh, I think people with MS will say cog fog, you know, um, so it's got lots of different kind of names. But on top of it, you know, in addition to the um, health conditions, 
a lot of medications can give rise to brain fog. Sure. You know, it can be a side effect. Any medication that works on your central nervous system mm-hmm. uh, can possibly impact. So antidepressants, um, antihistamines, anti-nausea tablets. And unfortunately, a lot of the medications that are used to treat the autoimmune diseases and the yeah. and the chronic pain, they actually, you know, so in most, for a lot of people who have brain fog, it's multiple contributory factors. So what I was and going so to... And so if you kind of eradicate some of them, you, you, you know, you may make a difference. That's something that actually speak. was part of your book that is lovely is the kind of your own sort of rituals that you've put into your day to help your brain along in the morning. And one of them is to kind of a huge smile in the morning <laughs> you kick it off what what is the what's the significance of that for you it's starting really, yeah and I, you know it's really important um well you see the thing is smiling and I do smile a lot. <laughs> um the thing is uh smiling has loads of health benefits it lowers your blood pressure it boosts your immune function it actually helps the growth of you know it helps promote neuroplasticity in your brain which sure. is something really positive it's the growth of brain connections and, and new brain cells it releases serotonin which is feel-good hormones um and it's free you know and mm-hmm. it's something that you can do anytime to reset that it's a real natural stress buster and I think particularly with the pandemic, people have forgotten to smile. They tend to see smiling as something reactive. Yeah. You know, somebody smiles at you. Oh, what have I got to smile about? I'm in lockdown for a year. Yeah, of course. You know, but the, the thing is, and, and, and it kind of puzzled me for a very long time because the brain is the most complex structure in the known universe. Like it is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm so oh, sorry. Not at all. <laughs> all visitors welcome. <laughs> Daisy, good girl. So, um, yes, and and it puzzled me that how this complex structure could be fooled by a fake smile, a synthetic smile. Yeah. And then I realized, actually, it's because it's really clever. It's given us this really simple tool to get all those health benefits and laughter. I cannot under this. The second week is all about stress of the 30 day plan. And it, it is about this is what I mean about it being sort of um, a resetting yourself. It's about um, making sure that you set aside at least a half an hour or an hour every day mm-hmm. to do something fun, something that you enjoy and preferably something that makes you laugh because laughter is nature's natural stress buster. It literally lowers uh, the levels of cortisol, which are the stress hormone in your body. Dr. Brain, just before I let you go, I wanted, we ch- talked briefly earlier on about um, the nature of COVID and the, the nature of COVID is that there's a huge amount of unknown, especially for sufferers of long COVID. For people who are suffering with that now, your book seems to be maybe a good lifeline for for people who are suffering the effects of long COVID. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I've had a couple of people who have long COVID who've taken it and who had lost all hope, actually. It was very emotional when they came back with the feedback. And these are people that I didn't know. I just reached out to various organisations. And actually, I have an episode on my podcast. If people do want to listen to to that, they can hear those people, um, you know, tell their stories. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, the thing is, brain. whilst we don't know a lot um, in particular about COVID and long COVID, it's not unusual for people who have experienced, gone through or survived a very serious viral infection or something like sepsis for them to take quite a long time to recover. And mm-hmm. for example, if we take sepsis as an example, people with sepsis often experience brain fog for up to a year after um, right. 
after recovery. Yes. So there's a, there's a few reasons that it could be. So it could be to do with inflammation. It could be to do with, you know, an inappropriate or disproportionate immune response. So if you think of the underlying health conditions I referred mm-hmm. to, they were autoimmune diseases, yes. inflammatory diseases, yes. pain. So it could be that. But also on top of that, your brain is responsible for keeping you live. Okay. So that's a fundamental uh, purpose. Your thinking brain does all the cognitive stuff that yeah. we're talking about. Um, now, when, when you are, uh, um, when your body is attacked by something life threatening like COVID, mm-hmm. your brain's primary responsibility is to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And all of its resources have to go into that yeah. and have to go into your recovery. And so really, it doesn't matter if you can't remember where you put your keys. Yes, it doesn't matter if you can't find that right word. What matters is that your body needs to come back. And the one thing I would say to anybody who is struggling with coming back from long COVID, you have to go baby steps. Mm -hmm. Really do not be measuring yourself in what you used to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Measure from where you are now. And if that means that you can only walk to the hall door today, well, then next week, aim to walk to the end of the driveway yeah. and back and do that for a week. One day the at same a time. Flies with the same, yeah, but I mean, don't push. People are saying, oh, I'll go for a 1K. No, if you've only been going 10 metres, go 20 metres if you feel, do you yeah. know, and do that for a week. And then otherwise you'll keep having setbacks, which is what a lot of people with COVID are having. They think they're doing great. And then they start to go back to their normal life and they get a complete setback. And the same applies with cognitive function. So if you're like a lot of people tell me with long COVID they can't even follow a tv program anymore of course Um, or they can't or they can't read and what I would say is today read a line and do that for the next week and take it as slowly as possible try and read two lines yeah and if you you because you're it's it's like you've become deconditioned your whole body will have become deconditioned and so I, I guess because the focus has been on, you know, saving lives and number of cases. Um, and I did, I, you know, I did a, a, a whole special podcast on it back in August about brain fog. Um, you know, that people haven't been given the support, sure. you know, the help. Um, and then I, even just to explain to them, look, this is, you know, more than likely not going to be permanent in terms of your brain fog. And it has occurred with other conditions and after other viruses. It sounds like it would be a real lifeline for people like that and for a lot of people as well who who feel like they may be, may be suffering from brain fog. Uh, Dr. Brennan, Dr. Sabina Brennan, health psychologist and neuroscientist and author of Beating Brain Fog, your 30-day plan to think faster, sharper, better. Dr. Brennan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Louise McSherry on 2FM.